Hi, everybody. Hi, online. Good to see you all or be seen by you all. Just great to be here this morning. Uh, I want to let you know that a few of us went out, a bunch of us went out yesterday to uh, do this outreach. We had a fun time taking gift bags out to people working in stores and bars and restaurants and gas stations and just giving them away these little gifts as a thank you for the service they've been providing. And it was a lot of fun. Another outreach coming up in... Uh, a few weeks, a month, I think. So uh, keep an eye on that and maybe join us next time. It's a great way to just show God's love to the community out here. So um, it's been great. Um, I'm going to pray. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for being here with us this morning. Thank you that um, we are in your presence and you are with us and you are at work in us. And wherever we are, whatever we're we're going through whatever we're doing, that your Holy Spirit is here to bring life and peace and joy uh, into us. And so we just open ourselves to you. We say we love you, Jesus, and we want to receive all you have for us this morning. So open the scriptures to us, I pray, and uh, speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so I am going to read this morning from Romans chapter 9 to begin the first five verses. And uh, the Apostle Paul writes this. He said, I speak the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience testifies to me through the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the benefit of my brothers and sisters, my own flesh and blood. They are, the, uh, they are Israelites, and to them belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the temple service, and the promises. Their an the ancestors are theirs, and from them, by physical descent, came the Christ, who is God over all, praised forever. Amen. Amen. So... Um, I do have to confess, when I first read that scripture passage, as I was preparing this sermon, I thought, what in the world am I going to say about this? Um, but as I spent some time with it and prayed and, and talked, uh, I felt like God showed me some things that are really relevant for all of us. So I, what I want you to do is to imagine for a moment that you are Paul, the apostle. You, know, you have been raised as a Jew. You, know, you you grew up immersed in the family, the story, the history of Israel. Uh, your family is Jewish. You went to the best Jewish schools. Uh, you ended up becoming a leader in the Jewish faith. And then you encountered Jesus. Yeah, you came to realize that Jesus is the Messiah whom all of your family, all of your friends and relatives, everyone has been waiting for, longing for, for hundreds of years. And you, and you came to understand that, that he is the hope. He, Jesus really is the only hope for the kind of life and, and love and joy that all the people you love long for. And so you travel around the Roman Empire telling everyone you can about Jesus. You know, you, t you proclaim the gospel. And wherever you go, you go first to the Jewish people because they're your family. They're the ones that you love. And you, and you tell them the story. You tell them about Jesus. You proclaim the good news. And almost always, they reject it. They reject the story. They reject the gospel. They reject you. In fact, sometimes they want to kill you. And so in the end, 
you go instead to the people you had grown up learning to avoid. You know, the sinners, the unclean, the Gentiles. And many of them embrace the story. They embrace the good news. And so now you have started churches all over the Mediterranean world, made up mostly of Gentile believers, and that's wonderful. You're excited. But at the same time, your heart still aches for your Jewish family. Well, that's got to raise some questions in your mind, wouldn't it? Yeah, I mean, your whole Bible that you have at that time, the Old Testament for us, the Hebrew Scriptures, is a story of God's love for Israel. It's a story of how God promised to be faithful to Israel. It's a story of God's covenant commitment to be faithful to Israel. So what happened to all of that? And these questions aren't just questions in your own mind. These are questions in the minds of other people, too. I mean, I'm sure these Gentile believers, as they begin reading the Hebrew Scriptures, learning the story of Israel, they have to be wondering, what happened? And the question isn't really just about the Jewish people. It's not just about Israel. The question is really about God. Does God keep his promises or not? You know, is God willing and able to keep his promises or not? See, this is the background for Romans 9 through 11. It's a, it's a really important part of the book of Romans in which Paul is explaining how the Jewish people fit into God's plan now that Jesus has come. But at a deeper level, Paul is really answering those, those questions about whether or not we can trust God, whether or not he keeps his promise, and whether or not we can depend on him, absolutely. And that matters very much for every single one of us, doesn't it? It really does. So if you've been around church at all, or if you read the Bible, there's, there's three words that uh, you hear pretty often. And those words are faith, hope, and what? Love, right? Faith, hope, and love. Uh, and, and those are known as the three theological virtues, meaning that they are the virtues that come to us from God and they connect us to God. Now that word virtue is a word that has lost a lot of its meaning in our culture, a lot of its punch. It's almost kind of a kind of a namby-pamby word in some ways these days. But, but it comes from the Latin word virtus, which means strength, or power. That's what a virtue was understood to be, was strength or power. And these theological virtues of faith, hope, and love are gifts from God which empower us to live the life we were created to live, that, that empower us to be the fully human people we were created to be. Faith is our strength. You know, faith is, is really more so than believing doctrines, believing information. Faith is trusting in who God is. It's trusting that he is a good, loving father all of the time. It's trusting that he's like Jesus all of the time, that he's not two-faced, he's not kind and compassionate some of the time and harsh and judgmental other times. He is always loving, always like Jesus, so he is someone that you can depend on. That's faith. Romans 4.20 said Abraham grew strong in his faith. I don't think that means 
that his faith got stronger, although that might have happened too. But I think what that's saying is Abraham himself was strengthened to live the kind of life he was created to live because of his trust in who God is. Abraham grew strong in and by and through his faith. Faith is our strength. And hope, we've said around here many times, is not simply wishful thinking. You know, Romans 4.20 goes on to say that Abraham was fully convinced that God was able to do what he promised. He was fully convinced that God was able to do what he promised. Hope is confidence in the faithfulness and the power of God to do what he said he will do. It's the confidence in the faithfulness and power of God to do what he said he will do, that he will, he can and will fulfill his promises. And then the theological virtue of love is not just warm, fuzzy feelings, of course, as nice as those might be, but the courage to be vulnerable, the courage to put the needs of others ahead of our own, the courage to spend our lives loving God and loving others. Faith, hope, and love. Strength, confidence, and courage. They're what we need to be fully human. You know, they're, they're what it looks like to be mature followers of Jesus. And these three theological virtues are, are not disconnected. They can't be separated from one another. None can really exist without the other. You know, faith in who God is, in his utter dependability, is what gives us the confidence to trust in God, or to, to hope in God. It, it gives us that confidence to hope, which is really an expectation. It's not, like I said, not wishful thinking, but the expectation that he is always going to care for us, always going to be with us, always transform us, and will one day raise us to live with him in the new creation forever. It is that confident expectation that's hope, and that confident expectation is what gives us the courage to stop living for ourselves, stop putting ourselves first, stop protecting ourselves, and to instead love the way that Jesus loves. Faith, hope, and love. Strength, confidence, and courage. These theological virtues are gifts from God that empower us to live the way God created us to live, to live that life of love. Because love is the goal of all of it. Love is, is the end game for this. You know, Paul wrote, if we just have faith, faith without love is worthless. He said, faith, hope, and love remain, but the greatest of these is love. Love is the goal. You know, it's said that John the Apostle, in, in the, when he was really old, uh, he was in the church in Ephesus, and, and they would have to carry him in when the church met because he couldn't walk anymore. They'd carry him into the congregation there and they'd set him down in the middle so he could preach his message and he had boiled his whole message down to these words, little children, love one another. Love is the goal. St. John of the Cross, hundreds of years later, wrote that at the evening of our lives, we will be judged on love. At the evening of our lives, we will be judged on love. Everything God's doing in us, you know, all of the shaping and the forming he's doing in us, all of the hard things he allows us to go through, all of the blessings that he pours into our lives are so that we become people who love like Jesus. 
And the courage to love springs from hope, and the confidence to hope arises from faith in the goodness, in the love, and the absolute trustworthiness of God, which is why Paul devoted these three chapters of Romans to answering his question, what about the Jews? You know, what happened here? I thought we were your people, God. What's going on? Have you ever been disappointed by God? <laughs> uh, have you ever been confused by God, maybe? You know, confused by the way he was working or, or not working in your life, the way he was working, not working in the world? Can you say pandemic? You know, um, when I was a, a freshman in college, uh, I was, you know, 18, 19, I think I was probably 19 years old, uh, I used to go up. Uh, and study in the graduate library. We're up in the stacks of the library. They had these little study carrels. We called them the cages because they had these cage doors. And we'd go, I'd go sit in there and study all alone because it was quiet, a great place. And I, I would almost always spend some time reading my Bible and praying um, before I started studying. So I was there one day. Like I said, I was 19 years old. I'd been a Christian, a, a follower of Jesus about a year. Um, so pretty young in the faith. Um, but I'm sitting there and I'm reading in Genesis about Abraham one day. And I just felt just the presence of God come in me, and I just kind of got swept up by what I was reading. And I, and I said to God, I, I want to be a man like Abraham. I want to grow to have the kind of faith that Abraham had because uh, I want to be able to follow him, like follow you like he followed you. And uh, problem with praying prayers like that is that God hears them and answers them, right? It's been said that what you commit to in times of inspiration, God holds you to in times of desperation. And I think that's been true. You know, I, I feel like in, in many ways, my whole life since that day has been all about that prayer. It, it's been about me growing as someone who could grow to have the kind of faith that Abraham had. Now, in my somewhat naive young Christian mind back then when I was 19 and I prayed the prayer, what I thought that would look like, you know, a life of faith would look like, would we be me moving from success to success and victory to victory as I went out and did great things for God, right? Instead, it's been this journey that's included all sorts of disappointment, and frustration, uh, struggle, and, and often lots of confusion about the way God was working or not working, um, what he was doing or not doing in my life or through my life, why he wasn't doing what I thought he should be doing and the way I thought he should be doing it and when I thought he should be doing it, right? But I've learned two things along the way that I have found tremendously helpful with all of that. The first of them is that my perspective is limited. He is God and I am not. Always a good thing to remember, right? He sees a much bigger picture than I do. Just because I don't understand what's going on or just because I can't figure out what he's doing in my life or through my life, just because I don't understand the mess of things, 
doesn't mean he's not at work for my good. God's ways are often a mystery. And that's just a good thing to learn to be okay with. So my perspective is limited. And the second thing I've learned along the way is that the story isn't over yet. We are all living in the middle of our own story. The whole world is living in the middle of its story, right? I mean, everything may at times look like chaos. You know, may look like everything is falling apart. It may look like there's no hope. It may look like things are never going to get better. We can't even see the light at the end of the tunnel. But the story is not over yet. So Paul poured out his anguish about his fellow Israelites in verses 1 to 5 of Romans 9. You know, he poured out his, his disappointment. He poured out his confusion over the way that things were. And then he came to verse 6 and he said, Now it's not as though the word of God has failed. Now it's not as though the word of God has failed. Or as the New Living Translation puts it a little more maybe succinctly as a question. He says, well then, has God failed to keep his promise to Israel? No, he says. Faith is our strength. And what Paul does in this passage, and then I think throughout the, the, the chapters that we're going to be going through in the next few weeks, is he brings us back to faith. Not faith in our ideas, not faith in our perspective, not faith in our ability to understand everything, but faith in who God is. Faith that he is our loving father, that he is absolutely trustworthy, that he's like Jesus all of the time and he is utterly dependable and so he keeps his promises and we can put our trust in him. Throughout Romans 9 to 11, Paul is reminding us that just like God has been and is and will be faithful to Israel, so the same is true for us all of the time. God keeps his promises. Faith is our strength. See, I think in the times in which we live, more than anything, we need this strength of faith because faith will then give us the confidence to hope. And we need hope because hope will give us the courage to love. If ever there was a time when the people of God need to shine with the love of God, this is it, is it not? I mean, we live in a world of people who are filled with anxiety, filled with fear, filled with confusion, filled with all sorts of unhealthy ideas about what God is like, too. And all of that is stirring up hatred and division and polarization, and we can be different. In fact, we're called to be different. We've been empowered to be different because we are people of faith, hope, and love. Amen? Amen. Well, as people of faith, hope, and love, I thought it would be good if we prayed together this morning because there's something that's, that's really powerful about us as a congregation praying together, whether you're here in person or watching us online, that we could pray together uh, for some needs. And, and we had a couple of people 
who uh, on their Connect cards last week asked if we could pray for this and gave us permission to pray for this publicly. So we want to pray for those two needs in particular, first of all. Um, uh, one of them was a friend of, of Janie Reha who uh, is struggling because she has to move her mom into an assisted living facility, which is, you know, can be a really difficult thing. So she wants prayer for, uh, for her friend for wisdom and guidance and grace and peace. And also just, just prayer for, for the mom because that's a, that's a huge transition to make. Um, so we want to pray for them. And then the other one is to pray for uh, Cindy Bartelt's Uncle Bruce, who was diagnosed with prostate cancer. It's going to be having surgery uh, at the end of this month. And just to pray for healing and grace and, and knowing God's presence uh, with him through that whole process. So I thought we'd pray for them first. So how about if we stand together? Um, and you might want to hold your hands out. We can just lift these people up in prayer before God. Just hold them before God. Um, and so, Father, we pray for this friend of Janie. We pray that, that she would have your wisdom during this time. She'd have your grace, that you would guide her to the right place for her mom. And we just pray for an outpouring of, of love and grace and peace on her mom as well. We pray that you would wrap her in your arms, that she would know your presence, know your love. Um, we pray that, um, that this whole transition would go well, that you would lead her into the place that'll be just a really good next stage of life for her. And we hold up Cindy's Uncle Bruce. Uh, we pray for healing for him. We, we just pray that you would come, Holy Spirit, right now, be upon him. And we pray that as he goes through this surgery, that that would go well, that there would be no complications. And we pray for a full and quick recovery for him. So we pray blessing and peace and the knowledge of your presence with him through this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And then before we sing, I thought we would all pray the Lord's Prayer together. And I think we could just pray this as a prayer over our church and over the community too as a way of blessing uh, the communities that we live in. So um, the words are on the screen so that we all pray the same version together. So let's all, all pray this. Our Father in heaven, Holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory now and forever. Amen.